Good evening, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your jolly host, Evan Goldstein, and with me, as always, is the very merry Karen Randazzo. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. And the always Grinchalicious Chris Randazzo. I don't care if the turkey said the dog was the turkey. The turkey is not the turkey. The turkey's the turkey, you turkey. (laughs) Yes. Uh, With that being said, this week's theme is Christmas specials. Ho, ho, ho. Um, Seeing as this podcast will be releasing on Christmas Eve, we felt it necessary to watch as many Christmas things early so that we could talk to you about them. Um, We're going to cover the classic How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, A Muppet Family Christmas, and our main topic for this week will be Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. So, I mean, they're all, I don't know what... Mid, what was Melba Family Christmas? Mid eighties, late eighties, nineties. Yeah, everything else is like in the sixties. So, so we should be okay with spoilers. Um, I watched as many of these as I could, but I didn't get a chance to watch the Muppet Family Christmas. So, Chris, take it away. <laughs> uh, okay, I would love to. This is I, I've gone back and forth over the years with um what my favorite Christmas movie, Christmas thing is. Uh, and I think this has found its way up to the top. I, I saw this for the first time when it aired in 87, and I was completely just dumbfounded by how awesome it was because this is the only instance where all forms of Muppet are in the same place at the same time. So that is the Muppets from The Muppet Show, uh, the Sesame Street Gang, the Fraggles, uh, the Muppet Babies, that, and these are the actual only existing puppet versions of the Muppet Babies, uh, and Jim Henson himself. When you were when you showed me the the image that you plan on using for the you know the podcast, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that all of these characters showed up in this movie, and I thought you went Muppet crazy in the image. You just started pulling Muppets to put into the picture. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is actually uh, the, the, the the picture that you will see for the image for this episode is an actual image from like uh, from this like artwork for this episode, uh, or like promotional image from the episode. Well, plus other things, but you know, <laughs> all those Muppets were in fact together in the same place at the same time, which is pretty remarkable. So, uh, this thing was a TV special that moved in, aired in 1987, and over the years, uh, I, I loved it when I was a kid because I was really, really into Fraggle Rock, and I've always liked the Muppets, and just seeing all them together in one place was really, really cool. But then this disappeared for a long, long time, and I kind of thought I imagined it for a little while there. Like I had never even heard anyone talk about it. A and, Christmas um, fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> somebody eventually introduced me to Muppet Christmas Carol, which became like my favorite thing ever. Uh, it was it was kind of a retail. Um, what's the tradition for me? It was it was the first Black Friday I ever worked, and it was at Funko Land. And my boss at the time, a gentleman named Alex Conaway, was like, "Here's how we're going to get through Black Friday. We're going to watch Muppet Christmas Carol on repeat all day long." So like, oh, I've never seen Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> So if you don't and, kill yourself by the end of the day, you should survive. <laughs> and I was just so happy the whole day. It was one of the most fun retail days I had ever worked. It was absolute madness. But, you know, every time things just got out of hand, I'd just look up at the screen and there'd be the Muppets singing and dancing. And it's, it's, such, a, it's such a good movie. And, and I loved it. And then, of course, there's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is always going to be up there as my either number one or number two. But 
when this movie resurfaced, like, uh, I don't even remember what caused me to think about it, but it was, um, you know, back when TV shows showing up on DVD was kind of a thing, uh, it was like, that was the big explosion of that. And I had seen somebody post something about this, that this was getting released on DVD. And, um, as soon as, uh, like I was reading about that release and all of these comments at the bottom were just like, this is absolute garbage. They've edited the crap out of this thing. I'm like, what do you mean edited it? It was, it's a Muppet TV special. What could be edited out of it? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of Christmas music in there. That's not public domain. Uh, so uh-huh. they cut all these rather important scenes out of the movie that involve this music. <laughs> involved uh, Santa, anything involving Santa Claus, um, reindeer, gone. It's, yeah, um, there's a, this this uh, scene in the movie where Fozzie meets a snowman, which I'll get to that in a minute, but they sing this version of Sleigh Ride, and they just cut this that entire song out of it, and it makes the snowman's existence in the movie seem very arbitrary, because that's the scene where they meet, but it's it, it was very strange. So what I found was, uh, on my internet travels back in the day, was a link to... Uh, a website that was selling a n- un- unedited version of this movie, uh, which had somebody had taken the DVD release and then had a recording off of TV, like a VHS recording. Right. And they had spliced, they had they, like done these really, really good fades where everything was lined up perfectly. So like you could always tell what parts were on VHS and what parts came from the DVD, but they had spliced them all back in seamlessly. So, like, the video quality would fade to change, but there would never be, like, a hiccup in the sound. It was lined up perfectly. And it's as good as we're ever going to get, because they're just not going to release this in its full original <laughs> version. It's so, never going to happen. So the two things that will never be released in full original form are Star Wars 4, 5, and 6 <laughs> and Muppet Family Christmas? That's that's pretty much it. Okay. All right. Good to know. So uh, I, I had the, I have this DVD and it's one of my most treasured treasured possessions. And every year that I every year that I watch this movie, um, and and every subsequent year that this, you know, wow, that was cool. Uh, <laughs> a little behind the scenes here. Uh, Karen tried to discreetly ask ask me to toss her her phone, and so I threw it over there and it bounced off the couch and hit her mic stand, and that's what that boom was. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> so much for discreet. I love the way you sent the message. <laughs> that stopped him from talking. <laughs> Continue, uh, Chris. <laughs> anyways, um, so uh, this movie, each each year that I watch it, especially watching it as an adult, I realize how clever this is. And also, now that I'm older and I, I really recognize the difference in the voices and the difference in the way the Muppets were back when uh, Jim Henson was alive, as opposed to the, you know, a lot of the more modern interpretations. Like, Kermit's original voice was Jim Henson. And, and, and seeing all that stuff interplay, and just how freaking clever this movie is, uh, it really has climbed the ranks of just having just such a, an incredibly special place in my heart. So the basics of the plot is the movie opens, and the whole Muppet gang is... Uh, riding around in Fozzie's car through a snowstorm, heading out to Fozzie's mom's cabin. Um, And he's like, we're we're all going to go. (laughs) (laughs) We're all going to go. We're all going to go see, see my mom and surprise her that we're all going to come over for Christmas. My mom loves company smash cut over to uh, the the house that Fozzie's explaining is going to be all empty and whatnot. 
and uh, she's ready to go. Uh, not not empty. The house was going to be all full of um, Christmas on. decorations. Yeah, like Christmas decorations and whatnot. And uh, it's actually completely empty because she picked uh, actually scheduled a vacation to Malibu to go surfing <laughs> for the holidays. <laughs> so just you know, Fozzie Bear's mom. Uh, Dressed, ready to go surfing over the holidays is is fantastic. And Fozzie's mom looks like Fozzie, but with, like with a wig with and a wig glasses, and, glasses yeah. and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. So she had rented the cabin, uh, the the cabin where she lives, out to somebody to watch over the holidays, and that somebody was Doc and Sprocket from Fraggle Rock. Nice. Uh, so they 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 rented the place for a nice quiet Christmas alone, and they start getting ready to move in, and then all of a sudden. The Muppet Gang shows up and Fozzie surprises his mom with this great exchange. Because, you know, Fozzie does that, ah, thing. <laughs> well, apparently his mom does it, too. He's like, mama, it's- son, ah. <laughs> they both do it together. It's it's a genetic noise. <laughs> yeah, must it's, be. <laughs> it's fantastic. And so, like, all the Muppets start pouring in. And there's a running gag throughout the entire episode that every time somebody walks through the door, they slip and fall. And somebody <laughs> says, watch out for the icy patch. And that runs through the whole movie. <laughs> Kind of upset that I didn't watch this movie now. <laughs> oh God, it's so good. Um, so they the they move in and and obviously uh, Doc gets a little miffed about it, but they're all um, you know they're 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 the Muppets. They're relatively lovable, and you get some some really really great moments. Like uh, Ralph shows up and he walks through the door, and Spar- Sprocket starts barking at him, and Sprocket barks like a dog, and Ralph talks like a person, <laughs> and he just starts saying Ralph Ralph, yeah, bark bark. <laughs> <laughs> having a conversation with him and Doc just looks at him like that you hate it when you can't speak the language <laughs> so uh, th- this whole situation is happening the uh, the Swedish chef shows up to cook the uh, the Thanksgiving turkey and then a turkey shows up who was invited there by the Swedish chef to be the turkey and this this turkey is trying to avoid being cooked as the turkey he looks at it like a whole big game to uh, try to avoid being cooked like the turkey and uh, tries to convince the Swedish chef that, like, you know, Sprocket is the turkey or that somebody else is the turkey. And it's uh, it's uh, it's it's quite wonderful. So as this whole thing is going on, then eventually uh, they hear some carolers outside and the carolers are the Sesame Street Kang. And everybody from Sesame Street shows up and they're singing a whole bunch of Christmas songs and they all come in and join everybody. And one of the first exchanges is Ernie and Bert introduce themselves to Doc. And and this is a perfect example of the comedy of this show. Ernie says, Hi there, we're Ernie and Bert. Doc says, Hi yourself, I'm Doc. Did you know that Doc starts with the letter D? <laughs> Why, yes. Yes, yes starts with the letter Y. True. And true, true starts with the letter T. Doc says, Hey, what is this? And Bert says, Whoa, where we come from, this is small talk. <laughs> just just brilliant like they they did such some really really great comedy with the sesame street gang since this was this was meant to appeal to the older audience that liked the muppets as well as little kids so it's all family friendly but it's also got stuff like the turkey at as is cornered at one point and and the chef is just like no no in obviously Swedish chef voice, they go, you're the turkey, I've got you now. And the turkey's like, okay, you got me, I'm the turkey, but have you seen this? And he points out the window to um, uh, Big Bird, 
To which Swedish chef loses his mind. It's like, what a giant bird! <laughs> so then the Swedish chef tries to cook Big Bird for dinner. <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, Until and- Big Bird saves his own skin by coming in to thank Swedish chef for cooking a nice dinner for them and bringing him a present of bird seed. And it's the sweetest thing in the whole world. <laughs> and the two of them sing, Hang your- have yourself a-, a merry little Christmas together. And if you've never heard the Swedish chef sing that song, you're missing out. Um, so during this whole uh, during this whole period of time, um, Miss Piggy is late. She's off going. She's off getting a, um, a photo shoot done. So she's going to meet Kermit and everyone at the uh, at the cabin. And while she's off uh, doing her photo shoot, this snowstorm is getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, an- another great exchange later in there is uh, Robin, the obnoxious little frog, and Kermit are looking out the window talking about it. Oh, Kermit's looking out the window uh, looking at how bad the snowstorm is getting. And uh, Doc is just like, wow, that is one worried frog. And, of course, the Count is standing next to him and says, one, one worried frog. Ah, ah, ah. And then Robin walks up and says, he's not the only one. Two, two worried frogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's so good it's just so good and yeah you get like Rizzo the Rat wanting to move into Oscar the Grouch's trash can they all sit down to watch uh, old family movies which is how they fit the Muppet Babies in there and so there's puppet versions of all the Muppet Babies uh, nice. and eventually the um, uh, Robin kind of goes like exploring around the house and he goes down in the basement and he calls Kermit down and he's like hey uh, you told me once about Fraggle Holes is this one and Kermit's like oh well look at that it is a Fraggle Hole so they go in there, and they meet up all the Fraggles, and they tell them what Christmas is, because they don't know. And uh, they all sing a song together, and then they uh, Wembley gives him a rock, and uh, or sorry, a pebble. And uh, he goes, and then they, they leave and go about their business. And, you know, the movie finishes off, everybody's happy, Piggy shows up, uh, more jokes are cracked. They all sit around singing Christmas carols, which then the Fraggles hear, and they come up and hang out in the living room with them, like kind of hiding in the background. So they're not interacting with one another per se. They're still a little hidden, but they're all in the same place at the same time. And then for the the most wonderful piece, it's like uh, it, it, it just pans over to uh, the kitchen, and Jim Henson is standing there with Sprocket, and he says, well, they certainly seem to be having a good time out there, Sprocket. I like it when they have a good time. Somebody's got to do something about these dishes. And so Jim Henson starts washing the dishes while all the Mupp- every form of the Muppets that he created sing Christmas carols. And it is absolutely delightful. Yeah, before what I said about Big Bird and the bird seed, and the, that's not the sweetest thing. This is the sweetest thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, not for nothing, I did just get a little a little set of the chills as you said that. I was like, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> Yeah, it's this is an absolutely incredible movie, and the bit with the snowman, like Fozzie, uh, <laughs> it turns out that the hecklers, Statler and Waldorf, are old friends with Fozzie's mom, which he didn't know. <laughs> and he he, Fozzie goes outside uh, with this snowman. He starts singing. Um, uh, sleigh ride and the snowman just wakes up and joins along with him, and they start doing this just ridiculous ridiculous comedy routine uh, back and forth. Let me see if I can find uh, a list of one of the exchanges. Um, 
Well, as you're looking for that, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at the cast credits, which it's, you know, all the, the, the voice actors. Mm-hmm. And it seems like on the average, the voice actors do like five voices a piece. Oh, yeah, that's 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 the way the Muppets roll. <laughs> like Frank Oz, Fozzie Bear, Animal, Miss Piggy, Bert, Grover, Cookie Monster, and Sam the Eagle. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> Sam the Eagle. They're doing the the Sesame Street gang does the uh, the Christmas pageant, and they're doing Twas the Night Before Christmas. And uh, <laughs> eventually they, the person they cast as Santa Claus was that two-headed monster. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes out just saying ridiculous things as that two-headed monster does, like and then it just cuts to smash cuts to Sam the Eagle with his head over hand over his head saying, Is nothing sacred? <laughs> <laughs> so Fozzie and the snowman do this this routine of jokes of the caliber of Ah, Christmas, time for Santa Claus and his eight prancing rain bear. That's reindeer. No, that's snow, darling. (laughs) (laughs) That one makes me laugh every year. I love that one. It's so good. Um, That yeah. So Stadler and Waldorf, uh, they he he finds the snowman. He comes inside and he tells Kermit about the the snowman act. And he's like, "Oh, I want to tell you about my new partner. He's a snowman." And Kermit says, "The heck you say!" (laughs) And just the the most you say the the (laughs) most perfect delivery i mean you you have to see it to believe it it's just the most absolute kermit the frog thing he's ever said just his matter of fact the heck you say (laughs) so good i cannot recommend this movie enough especially the uncut version it's still available online i'll put i'll try to put a link to it in the show notes it's it's so good i mean even if you don't catch the uncut one like just just find it it's called a muppet family christmas it is it is just Christmas love personified. It's so good. <laughs> it's the most huggable movie I've ever seen. Uh, watch it. Well, yeah. oh, now I have to because out of the rest of the stuff that we watched, that sounded like the most delightful thing I could have watched this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. It really is. It's. I mean, it, it's great to see so many like universes, if you will, come mm-hmm. together. And it's it's not a thing. It's just yeah, we're all here. No big deal. <laughs> yep, <laughs> having a good time. Co- Cookie Monster and Animal interact with one another. What more do you need? <laughs> That's <laughs> no truer words have ever been spoken. <laughs> it's absolutely criminal that this isn't commercially available. It's just really like yeah, like you know there is a version of it on DVD, but it's it's just missing. It's like that whole snowman bit. The fact that it's missing that snowman bit is criminal. It's such a shame. And I can't imagine these Christmas songs are so expensive that they can't license them to to get this out there. Right. I mean, but then again, we never got was it season 4 of the the Muppet Family uh the Muppet Show on DVD either. So you think that might change seeing as the whole them on TV now? I I I have no idea. I mean, I guess it depends on how this uh, eventual reboot of the show goes. I you know, I mean, it, the Muppets are in a weird position. They're, that first movie was a humongous success, and the second one was only moderately successful. And Disney's not big on things only being moderately successful. They considered Avengers Age of Ultron a failure. Yeah. Yes. Which is ridiculous because it it didn't just gross a shitload of money, it earned a shitload of money. But it was a smaller shitload than the first Avengers. Right. 
Like, Disney is harsh. Well, did you hear the number that... Um, well, here. Here's the Star Wars plug for the week. Um, That's right. Did you hear the number that it's supposed to make to be considered a success? I did. <laughs> I didn't. But, but please go ahead and say it. $1.5 billion. <laughs> That's, That's a shitload of dollars. I, That's the number I heard. <laughs> <laughs> that is most of the dollars, yeah, actually. Yes, it's a good chunk of dollars. I, it's got a yeah. It's, I think it's going to hit it. Oh yeah, but I mean, I don't know that. That's just the bar is set so incredibly high. Like there's, there's this, and and I I hate to segue into something that's not really our area of expertise here, but this is really starting to remind me of something that happened in the video game industry the last couple of years where. The risk uh, of creating something original became so huge, like the monetary risk and, and what you needed in order to be considered a success became so huge that you started to see fewer and fewer original ideas showing up in video games. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what happened to something like John Carter. I mean, not that it was like an original idea, but it had never been a movie before. And it was actually pretty decent, but there was so much riding on it because it cost so much to make. Right. That if it didn't, if it wasn't a phenomenal breakout success, then it was a failure, and that immediately just goes away. And and with the blockbusters, I mean, we're starting to see records being broken fast. Like mm-hmm. Jurassic World broke records, and that wasn't expected. <laughs> I was I mean, kind of th- shocked when someone told me that they held the record. I went, "Really? The dinosaur movie?" Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> like that's the seventh dinosaur movie. <laughs> I-, I was very surprised by that too, and now Star Wars has that, but. These they're they're and Avengers had it before then, and that's not an old movie. Like these mm-hmm. records are being broken so quickly, and it's getting to the point where if these records aren't broken, then the movie is considered a failure, and the studios that are like they want a lot of money, like and they're spending a lot of money, they're not going to be willing to take risks on things so much. Well, that's- so something like this Muppet Family Christmas. This is a small thing. It's it's going to be an investment to get something done, but the returns, I mean, obviously they'll make their money back if they do something like that, but are they going to make a shitload of money off of it? Probably not. And if they're not going to make a shitload of money off of it, they're probably not going to bother with it, which is really disappointing. And and that studio mindset, not it doesn't only affect video games and movies. It it there's a full channel of the same show. Actually, there are multiple channels that dedicate themselves to a singular type of television. Um, the one that I point out the most often is ID, Investigation Discovery. From, like, midnight to midnight, it's all the same show, just with different people in it. And it's one of the most popular shows or channels on television. There's no reason for them to break the mold because they are they're getting the people in to watch it. So when a studio... You know, gets when pilot season comes through, the stuff that could possibly maybe make it doesn't get a chance because it's not hitting the numbers right away. So great shows get canceled, or great shows that could be great shows get canceled within the first season. So I don't know that I don't know if there's a fix for that because they dedicate they get those numbers off of us as watchers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only so much that people like us who watch as much TV or a variety of TV as possible are out there. You know, they'll... but then you have the model of uh, something like HBO or Netflix, um, where they don't do the whole 
uh, let's start shooting a season, and then if it's not going well, we can pull the plug and put different programming on. They shoot a season, and then they air it. Right. Like, period. Yeah. So, so no matter what happens, yeah. yeah, no matter what happens, you're always going to get that that one season. And, um, you know, we, we just talked about Firefly for an entire episode, and look what happened to that show. There were several episodes that never aired. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously, the, everyone's seen them on DVD or whatever at this point, but that when that happened it was kind of a thing and that happens to shows all the time they make more episodes than they air and then these episodes just get lost to you know either the dvd sales or eventual streaming systems and it's um i i didn't mention this when we did our podcast last week but i as i was doing my background research for firefly they had done a a thing on sci-fi where they ran it for 24 hours straight they showed every episode like in order multiple times so they showed each episode twice okay Mm -hmm. the highest ratings that that channel has gotten in an x amount of years and all they had on was was firefly like that shows when when you have the availability of the full season for someone to just sit down and watch or they can pop in and out and it'll be the same like it's it's a it's a good model it works Mm -hmm. so Hopefully we'll get more good stuff that way. Indeed. Muppet Family Muppet Family Christmas, watch the heck out of it. So now that we've got the whole fun family happy Christmas, let's let's get to the darker side of Christmas. <laughs> um <laughs> Karen. Can you I please, don't... can you please explain to me how did the Grinch actually steal Christmas? Well <laughs> the trick is he didn't actually uh, and I don't know that that well. I guess it starts with the darker side of Christmas. But well, the it, Jim Carrey movie is the darkest side of Christmas. <laughs> yes, it's the well, darkest this, side of everything. This is a this is a TV podcast. We won't talk about that movie. <laughs> Even if we were doing a movie podcast, we still wouldn't be talking about that movie. Even Unless if, we were warning people to stay the hell away from it. And even if Jim Carrey were holding my two-year-old son over fire, threatening to burn him, well, I'd probably talk about it then, but that would be just about the only way. That would way. be the extreme. Yes. Uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas <laughs> is probably one of the most classic Christmas specials. Um, I had a, you know, hard time choosing what to uh, talk about this episode, but I gotta go with the classic. This Muppet family Christmas that Chris brought up, I'd never seen it before, and I think that's true of a lot of Christmas specials. I think everybody has their one that is like, or the the couple that they watch with their family all the time and they always saw growing up. But they're not all the same across all lines, but I feel like The Grinch is pretty universal. I feel like most people have seen The Grinch. And I think it has a lot to do with the Dr. Seuss connection because everybody read Dr. Seuss books when they were a kid, no matter what. Right. Um, so when there became, oh, there's a Christmas thing and it's Dr. Seuss, well, everybody can relate to that. Um, so I'm not going to go over the the plot of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Everybody's seen it in the Grinch hates the Who's who live down in Whoville and the Who's love Christmas and... The Grinch decides once Christmas Eve he's going to take off down the hill. I just said I wasn't going to tell you the plot, and here I go. <laughs> and goes into everybody's houses and takes all their shit. <laughs> he the burgles. <laughs> exactly. He burgles. The end. That's it. 
Christmas is terrible. <laughs> next next show. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, the who's wake up and because Christmas is not about the materialism, uh, they get up and they sing their song at the end. And the Grinch is so touched that the who's care about uh, each other more than they care about their presence that he decides to bring everything back and he decides he loves Christmas too. There's a couple things that are just amazing to me about the Grinch. Uh, one is the, this is, I know you and Chris are big fans of animation mm-hmm. and you know a lot about it and you know a lot about art styles and all that stuff. I have never been one of those people. I like animated things, but I've never like had a great appreciation for different styles and you know what's good and what's bad this i feel like taught me the difference between somebody's art and somebody's animation okay because the grinch the character design of the grinch if you look at the book which i probably will do a lot of comparing to the book because i have a two-year-old and he loves it uh so i've read it a lot this past couple of weeks <laughs> Uh, the character's design of the Grinch is Dr. Seuss's. Like you look at it in the book, that's what he looks mm-hmm. like, and then you turn on the movie, he looks the same. But the animation, uh, the guy who directed this is Chuck Jones of Looney Tunes. Chuck Jones! <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Jones is a personal hero of mine. And uh, Chris's personal hero, Chuck Jones, his, has a very distinct style that I'm really familiar with from, you know, everybody watched Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes growing up. Mm-hmm. So you have to readjust your brain a little bit to think about it this way or see it this way. But, like, I could see the Chuck Jones animation of someone else's art, so the, a, a character that someone else designed. It was really cool like revelation for me when i watched it this year to think about it that way that's interesting i mean it's funny because we watched well i don't know i'm not gonna say we i have seen the grinch a number of times and that came out in like 1966 something like that and i watched magoo as well which we'll talk about later but that came out four years earlier and the Mm -hmm. art style or the animation style is completely no, night different. And day. Night and night day, and day difference. Mm-hmm. The the Grinch has such a um, a smoothness to it for coming out in '66. That was like revolutionary. Because even with the Looney Tunes stuff, there was still it was still choppy. I mean, it was on it was on a very different budget, and this was uh, one of those opportunities where uh, Chuck Jones and crew. Oh, what is it? Who else was on this? It was uh, Chuck Jones and Ben Wash Wash Washham. Those are the directors. Okay. Well, this was really one of the first times, at least in my memory, that they got the like. It was a shorter thing. It was a TV special, and they had the ability to really flex their muscle and and concentrate on the animation. You Mm -hmm. know, and if you look at, you know, some Looney Tunes episodes are more well animated than others. but this was this was one of those things where it just here go nuts make it extremely well and you, you just think of that scene where the Grinch has the horrible Grinchy idea and he smiles and oh. his hair like rolls out to the sides just it, that is one of the most gorgeous pieces of animation in the history of animation it is so intensely detailed and it's 
it's someone smiling and it is some of the most lively animation you'll ever see in your life and it's just a testament to how how good chuck jones was at what he did you know very true very true and his his signature is all over this like you don't have to know that it's chuck jones or know who chuck jones is to recognize some of these things you watch like you know uh the grinch and max are going down the hill on a sleigh and uh, the side of the hill curves like mm-hmm. 270 degrees so they go upside down and like float in the air and they're upside down floating through the air and they look at each other and the dog max just waves at the grinch and i was like that's that's a looney tunes thing he's just shy of holding a sign that says yipe (laughs) yipe yeah it's it's so that what else is interesting is the um the reimagining of cindy lou because that is a character that looks dramatically different than she does totally different and it's so it's, it's really like her proportions to me are strange in the book. She's just a, a tiny little thing. Like she's, you know, there's nothing to her. And like, she looks like t- an inch tall compared to the Grinch mm-hmm. in the movie. She's much bigger. Like she's more proportioned to the Grinch, but then like, you'll see shots of her like on her own holding something like the one she's holding an ornament. And it's like a good <laughs> chunk of her body is covered up by this ornament. Ball, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a, either a huge ornament or something is really like weird there. I'm going to go with huge ornament. I feel the Who's do it right. They go with giant ornaments. <laughs> that is true. All of their, all of their kind of, all their stuff is just weird proportions and strange shapes. Well, it's, it's, to seeing the actual, you know, universe that is, you know, th- where the Grinch comes from, the, the the Dr. Seuss universe, actually come to life. It it A lot of times when something goes from, like, a comic book or, a, you know, a regular animated storybook to animation, it loses something because your mind's eye has always made the, the movie for you or the cartoon for you. I mean, this one was picture perfect like they did it right which is a rarity it's fantastic it, it, mm-hmm. it they did such a good job with it in mind you 1966 <laughs> and they they even had they had to add a significant amount of stuff for the tv special if you read the book even if you read it out loud it takes mm, 10 minutes and the, the movie is half hour long so uh all the songs obviously are new stuff, and then there's the uh, there's a the whole extended passage where he's talking about uh, they'll run downstairs and they'll run for their toys, mm-hmm. and they they just come up with a whole like all the names of the toys and the ways that they play with them and uh, that whole sequence of the kids running around and playing a game where they're on roller skates and they have a croquet mallet and the ball goes like up through a crazy you know, curly Q horn and then out the bottom and catch it in a croquet nut and hit it again and all that stuff. None of that's in the book. They just like, they just came up with that for the movie. The, the, and it's, they give it's them, some of the most fun stuff in it, I think. The, all the kids in this universe play with Rube Goldberg-esque toys. <laughs> Which I want. I yeah. want those toys to be real. <laughs> they look great, like so much fun. It's truly great realization of the imagination of the Dr. Seuss universe. As opposed to, you know, that the the Jim Carrey thing I mentioned before, and I mean, I, all joking aside, like I, I'm seriously, I'm not trying to 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 be funny when I say that that movie is a goddamn abomination. Mm-hmm. It is 
And, and the same thing goes for the cat in the hat. Trying to adapt this to live action was a mistake. It was an irresponsible, <laughs> awful mistake. And the way they made... Like, first off, you're stretching something that was already stretched and shoehorning all this excess plot into it. And then there was the hideous makeup of the Who's. And it's it it's the same kind of horror show that the new Ninja Turtles is. You know, you look at something and you tried to make something that was a drawing into like bring it into the real world and make it detailed and realistic. And the Who's look like monsters. It's it's terrifying. And nobody should have done that. It, somebody somewhere should have stopped them and said, wait a minute, this is a terrible idea. This is absolutely awful. This and is in nobody poor did. taste, sir. Yes, this is in poor taste, and I'm pretty sure Dr. Seuss would have barfed all over that movie had he been given the chance. Thank God he was dead so he didn't have to see that. I feel like it's possible that somebody somewhere along the way did come along and say, hey, wait a minute, this maybe isn't such a good idea. <laughs> And then someone threw a lot of money at that person. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how that got made. It's like somebody thought, no, well, Jim Carrey has a pretty funny face. I bet we could make him look like the Grinch. And in all fairness, the facial makeup on Jim Carrey was pretty good. But that was where it stopped, you know? Mm-hmm. Just because you have one good idea, you can't, ne- you shouldn't necessarily make an entire movie out of it. And if you look at the Who's, both in the book and in the movie, they're not that, like... They don't look that different from people. You could have just done it with them looking like people. You very much could have, but they had to make those weird, creepy-ass dog noses on them. And well, I'm sorry to segue into the movie. We should stop talking about that movie. It's it's a fucking horror show if you've never seen it. Yes. Run screaming. I, actually, I believe Mike Nelson said it best when he said that the, the uh, what is it, Mike Myers' cat in the hat is the physical manifestation of fear. <laughs> Stay the fuck away from those movies. When they changed them over into computer animation, I haven't seen them, but that I have way less of a problem with. If you want to take that universe... It is designed for animation. It is nothing but imagination. It shouldn't be extraordinarily detailed and realistic. The the Doctor Who stuff is meant to be animated. It's meant to be a cartoon. It's meant to be fantastic and all fantasy. And to take that away by making it live action is just criminal. And this movie, the TV special that we're talking about, is a perfect, perfect example of how to properly realize... A Dr. Seuss book. It is, it's phenomenal. It is just the right length. It is damn near flawless. <clears throat> yeah, I wa- and- I, I'm trying to think of a, a sponsor for that rant, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> who hash? Sponsored by canned who hash? Um, I just saw uh, uh, somebody on Twitter. I think it was once again the delightful and glorious Glenn Weldon um, from NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast pointed out that the Grinch is holding a can and the can says who hash and they talk about who hash and uh usually you you, you name hash after what it's made of <laughs> wow that's the truth that's oh my god. god that's horrifying <laughs> so so maybe the who's are cannibals <laughs> maybe <laughs> i don't she know just got dark silent green yeah <laughs> So there's, I mean, you see, everybody's seen this as a kid, and you know whether you've watched it recently or not, um, you probably saw it in your youth. But I do recommend watching it as an adult, whether you have any kids in your life or not. There's, it's interesting. I have actually have sympathy for the Grinch a little bit. 
Uh, specifically, because if you listen to his argument, you know, he just hates everything. He hates these who's and they love they love Christmas. You feel bad and you for the have Grinch to admit because those sons of bitch and who's won't shut the hell up. Well, listen. Okay, so part of why he hates hates the who's is they love Christmas, and you have to admit the who's go all out for Christmas, mm-hmm. and like not everybody does it like that, but the people who do like they just go nuts with piles of presents up to the ceiling and just and, and you know 31 days of christmas or whatever they start shopping in january for the next year those people are kind of annoying <laughs> <laughs> and the who's i mean let's let's not gloss over the fact that the who's have bass drums and cymbals attached to pretty much everything they own <laughs> that's the other thing he says the thing i hate most of all is the noise 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 i'm not gonna argue with him on that <laughs> anytime somebody gives my kid a toy that makes noise i'm like thanks you motherfucker <laughs> and of course those are his favorite things i mean i'm looking right now at a drum set that just won't shut the hell up once it's turned on I'm like ah so you know you have some sympathy for the Grinch um, and and I think like on a kind of a philosophical level he represents somebody who isn't like doesn't come from that traditional Christmas loving place like you know not everybody has good memories of Christmas or you know obviously Jewish people don't give a crap about Christmas. Like there are lots of people in the world who don't give a crap about Christmas and could be made to feel the way the Grinch feels by, you know, just having Christmas shoved in their face the entire month of December. So, you know, so what you're saying is Jews need to have their hearts grow so that they can experience (laughs) Christmas like the rest of us. (laughs) That's what you're saying. (laughs) I want nothing to do with that statement. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Different kind of I'm take j- on the Grinch to stole Christmas. All right. I'm just saying I can see where the Grinch is coming from. But on the flip side, I think it's really sweet that um, materialism sort of creates the Grinch, you know, so to speak. But then he comes along and does his thing and steals all the presents and uh, decorations and everything. And it, they takes them away and the who's wake up and it you know reveal that they do really know the the true meaning of christmas and that's the root of all the christmas madness is this you know love of family and being together and celebrating each other and and singing silly songs apparently who doesn't love a good silly song and that turns like as much as the materialism of christmas created the grinch when it's removed, the true meaning of Christmas and the togetherness helps the Grinch, like, you know, change and grow and accept, you know, the love that all the rest of the Who's have been feeling all along underneath all of this that he wasn't able to access before. And I think that's really sweet. It and is. I know nobody expected anybody to get that deep on the Grinch, but, you know. <laughs> Welcome. We just grinched you, yo. <laughs> <laughs> we got all grinchy up in here. Yeah, I just think, and that th- th- there's another reason that I love this special in particular is like, there's a lot of Christmas specials out there, and they're all trying to say whatever they're trying to say about Christmas. But this one, I think, is as a message that anybody can embrace. Is you know whether whether you love tons of presents and Christmas and all the madness, or whether you're like. 
I can't stand my family. I don't want anything to do with this. I just want to hide in my room. And, you know, I'm glad I have a couple days off from work to do that. Like, whatever you feel, like, everybody can appreciate, like, Christmas is just a nice time where we all get together. (laughs) Like, that's what it should be about. Very true. Very, very true. Merry Christmas to you guys and to all our listeners. All right. Beautifully done. Um, I'm going to get some Rankin and Bass on this this joint. Um, Rudolph, <laughs> it's have, about to get have, Rankin up in here. I have things to say. About this? About, oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know how I want to do this because we can go over the... Okay. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Classic. Had a very shiny nose. Classic. Anime, uh, claymation. Christmas Stop movie. Motion. Stop motion. We've all seen it. Um. About 45 minutes long, done in 1964. We know the story. Rudolph, red nose, shunned, makes good. Dri- Santa's a dick. Drives sleigh. No, Santa is not a dick. Rudolph's the reindeer father, are dicks. Yeah, Rudolph's reindeer. father yeah. is an asshole. Truth. Okay? Yeah. Literally <laughs> shuns his own son and makes him wear a fake nose. Which Rudolph blatantly says... Is uncomfortable. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, like the back of a Volkswagen? Yes. Um, the the <laughs> I'm going to go with the things that struck me as an adult now, watching it and thinking about it. Rudolph meets another, right before everybody starts making fun of him, he meets another little reindeer, and his name is Fireball. Fireball is obviously a hornball. He, he's like, ooh, chicks, man, check it out. Ooh, that one's looking at you. Okay? So, Rudolph, you know, slides on over, and we meet Clarice. Now, Clarice is the unsung hero of this movie, okay? She goes out when when Rudolph runs away. She goes out with Mom and goes to save him while jackass Dad says, No, this is man's work. You stay here. Uh, This movie is about shunning of people, okay? Yep. Poor little Rudolph, just because he's got a, 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 I would, I don't know if that's, like, uh, is that a, a disfigurement? Do, is there the possibility that that could be normal? Every, like. It's, it's a mutation. Is, he's, he is a mutant. Okay. He needs Professor X. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Rudolph is the Cyclops of that universe. Of this universe. Um, Lord have mercy. Hermie is shunned because he just wants to have a real job. What the shit is that about? He wants to be a dentist. What's wrong with that? <laughs> okay. He actually gets so hurt and upset, he runs away into the wintry wonderland that is Christmas land, otherwise known as the North fucking Pole. The guy is on his own. Luckily enough, Rudolph and him join forces, and they go be misfits together when they come across this deviant fucking Yukon Cornelius. Okay. <laughs> this guy is all about the money and he's hunting and killing I can feel it in my bones because he's a little too willy nilly with that pickaxe that pickaxe in which he licks lovingly note the love in his eyes when he's licking his pickaxe they end up making, <laughs> yeah. they make up they end up making it to the island of misfit toys Um, after there, there are certain there are certain points that that are driven home in this movie, and one of those points is be afraid of the abominable snowman, and you're a misfit. Those are pretty much the oh, and Santa Claus needs to be fat. 
because apparently Mrs. Claus, or Mama, as he calls her in this movie, is a faddist. She, she's actually a chubby chaser. She really wants her husband to be fat. Okay? Because, she, let's say, if you took all of the time she spoke in the entire movie, 85 to 90% of it was about Santa Claus needing to gain weight. Which he did in months. He gained a ridiculous amount of weight in, like, a couple of months, which is unhealthy. Um, when they make it to the Island of Misfit Toys, I, I actually paused the movie to write down the names of all of the toys or what they describe themselves. We have um, Charlie in the Box, which was my personal... <laughs> Nobody wants the Charlie in the Box. Um, the Spotted Elephant, which I didn't think was that bad. Uh, the train with square wheels just doesn't make sense. Um, a water pistol that shoots jelly. A bird sounds delicious. It does. A bird that swims. A cowboy who rides an ostrich, which I don't find that weird. I mean, he, maybe it's just another form of transportation. A boat that cannot float, which means it's not a boat. <laughs> Brass tacks of it all. If a boat can't float, it's not a boat. It's just named. It's wrong. just wrong. Um, and then the, the the mystery that is this movie is what's the name of the little girl doll? What was wrong with her? Mm. I I rewound, watched. They never. She just. She's just a sorrowful little girl stuck on this island with all of these crazy, crazy toys. Uh, they make it to the island. They want to stay. Like let's let's make a life here. And then you know, King Winged Lion says, "No, boy, you, you're not welcome here." They're not welcomed on the island of misfit toys. What, what, if they're not welcomed there, where can they go? Okay. So they decide um, we're going to just go on our own. Like we're just going to live life to the fullest, take each day as it comes. And Rudolph realizes he needs to leave because his nose is what draws the abominable snowman to them every time like a little red beacon on his face so he leaves in the middle of the night to go out on his own uh, apparently spent many 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 months because it grew up and it, it went a year at least a year so um, at some point Rudolph realizes that the right thing to do is to go home and, and just suck it up be a, a manly reindeer and do what he needs to do and he he gets home, and he is given the information that his parents left to go look for him when he left. And they haven't been heard from since. <laughs> okay. So not only is he shunned, but he's now an orphan. And the love of his life went along, and she's missing too. So so I, I don't know what, why this is a good idea, but he's like, oh, if they, I got to go find them. Because this whole plan of finding people and things is working out so well. Um, Rudolph ends up in the cave of the abominable snowman because that's where his family is. So he goes in to save them. Uh, he pokes the abominable snowman a couple of times with his, his antlers, and then the abominable snowman clubs him in the head with a... So a stalactite falls from the ceiling? Yes. Okay, so the, the abominable snowman rips off a stalactite and bashes him in the head with it. So really, he should be dead. But conveniently or not, he's not. He's not dead. He's he's fine. He just got the the woogly eyes, the little googly eye thing going. Um, at this juncture, Hermie and Cornelius find the whole reindeer gang trapped, and they f they figure out this this plan to 
get them safe. And that plan is for Hermes to pretend to be a pig because apparently a abominable snowman cannot resist a pork dinner. And when the abominable snowman comes out, Yukon Cornelius drops boulders on the snowman's head, which knocks him out. And whilst he's unconscious, Hermes pulls out the motherfucker's teeth with a pair of pliers. So now he is defenseless. And he just becomes this lovingly, you know, charming creature. Uh, Rudolph makes it back to, you know, Santa's workshop. There's, you know, the the storm of the century. And you know the rest of the story. Santa gains 80 pounds in a couple of months. And Rudolph lights the way on the sleigh. Every They pick up the, the, the misfit toys. Hand them out to good little boys and girls. Yay. The end. I remember this so much more lovingly than watching it this time. <laughs> I actually don't. I've never been overly fond of the, any of these Rankin Bass uh, stop motion movies. They've always creeped me the hell out. <laughs> and like, I, I dig stop motion animation, but these movies are freaking bizarre. Yeah. Like, really bizarre. I mean, what was it? Um, that one of the things that sticks out in my memory is the point around like. 20 some odd minutes into the movie where Hermie and Rudolph are talking, Hermie builds um, uh, a snowman, I think, of Santa, and then no. punches him no, in the no, face. No, no, it, it, It's Hermie's boss. It's Hermie's boss, yeah. <laughs> and he just punches the thing. Like, he builds the whole thing, builds the nose, and then he punches his face off. <laughs> yeah. But damn. Yeah, this is some twisted movie shit. And this isn't even the most twisted. Like,. Some of the other weirdo ones, like the 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 Jack Frost or whatever the heck those were. Jeez, these, these movies are so demented. It's just weird, it's, and it's I I don't understand why I have such a, a a a rosy remembrance of them. Like there's some serious. Like I guess it was because of how young I must have been when I watched. But there's some some pretty messed up things situationally in here. Like yeah, I mean, you know, think we all thought Thundercats was awesome. This, Go try to watch that this, today. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. I just want to know where they came up with all this stuff. Like, none of this is in the song. Drugs, <laughs> nothing but drugs. <laughs> lots and lots of drugs. I was taking notes, and and I I decided to just give up on them because um I I got to the part where he's you know he's learning how to fly, and he's he that's the reindeer games. And the way Rudolph learns how to fly is a girl tells him he's cute and he gets really happy and he flies. And then when he lands, he starts horsing around with his buddy Fireball and the nose gets knocked off. And I and unintentionally, I wrote down um, everyone laughed and called him names. They wouldn't let him play in the games anymore. I swear those were my notes. And then I went, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> It, oh man, it's cute. I mean, I am dissecting it a little harshly <laughs> because it's just a different take. It is a classic. It is what it, it it's. It's exactly what you remember it as, but it's just your visual cortex will see it differently <laughs> now that you may be an adult if you decide to watch it again. But check it out for yourself because it is definitely an interesting watch. <laughs> it certainly is. Okay, um, we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we're gonna. <laughs> 
We're going to talk some Magoo. Speaking of interesting watches. <laughs> oh, yeah. hell yeah. I love this one. Yeah, we're going to have some, some conversation about this. So uh, stay tuned. Well, it happened. Star Wars The Force Awakens is out there now. And apathetic enthusiasts Brandon and Travis have seen it. What did they think? Did it make all their Force dreams come true? Will Travis have the availability to answer a fresh set of questions? Find out in Apathetic Enthusiasm episode 45, The Force Awakens Review. The 12 Days of Questionable Christmas Movies continues this week with more movies that buck the traditional Christmas movie trends. There's Machine Guns, a strip club manager, an Irish thief, a vigilante, and more. Keep checking in on Geekade.com for questionable Christmas movies all the way through the 25th. Into the Vault is all new, with a special gift-giving episode centering on one of Chris's most prized possessions. Probably the most influential gift he ever got was his very first video game system, and he talks about it, how he got it, and what it meant to him as a child. Get into the holiday spirit and tune into Into the Vault, Atari 2600 Jr. We talk about TV on this podcast every week. But did you know that there's more TV out there than even we can talk about? Cowan provides us with another TV guide centered on television shows with great Christmas episodes. If you don't know what a holiday armadillo is, then you need to read this list. Don't miss the TV guide of holiday cheer located in the think tank. You can catch all this great stuff plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more right now at geekade.com. And we're back. Uh, thanks for listening to those commercials. Uh, let's get Magoo with this. Uh, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, 1962. The first animated holiday special. This is very true. Yes, this it, that, is. it does have that going for it. Yes. The it first. And some great music. Um, okay. For some reason, uh, this opens up with Mr. Magoo driving horribly to go beyond Broadway. I don't understand why the premise of this is revolving around him being on Broadway, but I'm just going to go with it. Uh, apparently, he's making his big stage return in a telling of A Christmas Carol, which, if you really think about it, the overall, he did a really good job in it. He did? Like, he did a fantastic job in it. Um, I've also noticed that a lot of Christmas stories are very dark, very oh, ominous. Yeah. So he plays uh, Ebenezer, and have either of you seen a Broadway production of A Christmas Carol? I've seen a stage production. Okay. Is is this, like, ripped from a stage production? Mm, I mean, I've seen so many versions, they all kind of blend together, but is there something specific that's sticking out to you? It's just the way they're... Okay. I don't know if Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol was meant for children when it came out in 1962. (laughs) Like, just the the way they're talking to each other and and just the... It's very, like, Charlie Brown-esque or Peanuts-esque. Very big words and lots of deep philosophical thoughts. Yeah, I think... I think it has a pretty good connection to like the original Dickens material, the yeah. stage version, and and obviously this version, yeah, which it is... uses a lot of the lines from the original original version. I mean, but so does Muppet Christmas Carol. And you, you got to <laughs> yeah, think you can't take I... that seriously coming out of a puppet frog. But you can <laughs> out of Michael Motherfucking Kane. You absolutely can. <laughs> um, I, if you think back, that like 
like we said, this is the first one, and it's back in 1962, and television was, it was pretty new back then. I don't think they had, like, making television for children quite down then. Yeah, true. Good point. Good point. Um, well, it is the standard Christmas Carol tale. Douchebag of a boss makes good at the end after being threatened by multiple ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> You should write cliff notes, man. There was a Twitter hashtag this week that was like bad movie summaries or something like that. I and mean, you just won it. Explain um, a movie poorly. Yes, explain a movie poorly. Um, well, I mean, if you really breast tax it, that's what happens. Um, Frog convinces kid to kill his father. Empire Strikes, Empire Strikes Back. back. <laughs> Correct. Ebenezer Scrooge is a he's a miser. He he's a money hungry bastard. Who overworks his employee, uh, he doesn't give to charity, he's just a not a good person. And through the interactions of the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future, he sees the wrongs in his ways. And he makes a complete turnabout. The, the story is as old as time. So we know that. The things that I want to talk about are the sheer acting coming out of these cartoons. I mean, it was it was top notch. I felt that they shouldn't be coming out of cartoon faces. <laughs> um, like I said earlier, the, the 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 premise is not very childlike. Um, the 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 animation is completely different than the the other things that we have spoken about. This is very flat. It was very 2D. Things barely like looked like they. It were- was very much the animation of the Mister Magoo cartoon of the age. It was it was very reminiscent of a lot of Hanna Barbera style right. Uh, animation. Right. It was it's all layered and, but I don't know if if this is a new thing. But I had to purchase this via iTunes because I could not find it through any of my nefarious means. Um, it was available on YouTube, but it was in like eight parts, and I could only get I couldn't find part one or part. four. Four, which was weird. That was weird. Um, but I, I sucked it up, spent the eight bucks, and I got it in HD, which made all the colors really pop. But I think that might have been a detriment because of the art style being so layered on itself that it made it look more 2D than it actually normally does in that lower resolution. So, I mean, with all respect to the artists, and I mean, they're probably long gone. Um, Watch this in, in standard definition. Get- the color palette of this thing is really weird. It's a lot of, like, yellows and oranges and pinks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, which is... It, I, I never noticed until you pointed out, but yeah, that it, it is it is kind of weird to look at. It, it And it's... I just... I guess I must be... I must have gotten used to, you know, newer animation styles and whatnot. The... It's a shame because the story is a very rich story. It is a classic tale, and they do it well. I, like I said, I just don't feel it was for children. Maybe an update of it so that it has slightly different art style might make it a little more tolerable for me. Um, it's a very you know, it's a very exaggerated art style, um, relatively whimsical. But I mean, it, it's it's again, it reminds me a lot of uh, Hanna Barbera animation, where it's like. You know the the backgrounds are like they drew a line, and then there's this other painting like around the line. Well, you, it's it yeah, you, doesn't quite match. You can see where there are certain points in animation where they wanted to repeat something, 
Like uh, I, there was a point where some the uh, when he's flashing back to when he was a child, and he's singing that heart wrenching song about being alone. And oh god, I love that song. It kills me every time. Oh my god. I mean, that's look above any and all things to say about this movie is the music is incredible. Yes, it's it's simply incredible and. And, like this was this is my mom's favorite Christmas movie, and every year when we would decorate the tree, we would watch Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, and you know there's there's fun songs, there's there's silly songs, but then there's there's songs like when when um the 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 kids are asking for the Christmas tree, uh, just you know can we have a christmas tree it, it's 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 such a a beautiful song and then a silly song and then a sad song and it just keeps going back and forth and back and forth but the the one that you're talking about that's the one that 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 murders me every time i every year when we're decorating our christmas tree and we're playing this movie i never don't have tears in my eyes when that song is on because it is it's it's incredible it's heartbreaking it really it is, it it really is. is. As I was saying about the animation, they show, like, they're just showing his legs and his feet as taking steps because he's talking about, you know, walking alone or being alone. And you could mm-hmm. see where they isolated, like, six or seven frames so that they could play them over and over and over again, which is something that Hanna-Barbera did a lot, so that it can look like it's going a longer distance, if you will. Yeah. Um one thing, seeing as you were talking about the songs, I, I'm telling you, if Tiny Tim doesn't die from whatever ailment he has, he is going to die from diabetes. Because okay? <laughs> he, hey, you don't know what's in Razzleberry dressing. <laughs> <laughs> Razzleberry dressing. That was creepy. They put pastries on the tree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> it, it's it's a it's a classic tale. It's if you have not seen it, you really should. I, I I joke when I say that it's as bad as I I make it out to be, but it is it is a classic ta- tale done appropriately for the tale. It is not dumbed down for children. It is mm-hmm. not made light because it's animation. It is a telling of a classic story with funny, stupid bits at the beginning and at the end because Mister Magoo is known for being blind. And seeing him, you know, crash a car at the beginning or nearly kill his director or have the full stage collapse on the poor guy. Like, those are Magooisms. The rest of it, in the middle, the bulk of the movie is a true telling of this this story, this this, this Christmas Carol. Which, you know, not for nothing, they did, they did a good job of that. I just, I just don't understand why they did it with Magoo. <laughs> uh, you know, I wish I knew the story behind it. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. But uh... I feel like there were there that many children's characters at the time so if they were gonna make a christmas special for kids did they really have that many choices to choose from that's yeah i mean i it's that that that's a true statement i mean i guess it was just something this studio wanted to do and this was their property you know so mr magoo was a relatively successful character at the time so they'll yeah. make a christmas special out of i it. mean uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is the lead of this this story. He's an old guy. Magoo's an old guy. There you go. Yeah. Like, what more do you need? <laughs> it fits. <laughs> it's it. It's a good telling. I like. I don't have. I don't have anything else to really say about it. It is something that should be watched. You should, if you've never seen it, you really. Where have you been? Because this thing is on every year. 
somewhere. Well, that's the thing. I don't. I don't really feel like I see this one an awful lot. I, growing up, the only I was the only person I knew that knew this. Um, I didn't. I, this was something I didn't. I didn't see hear people talk about or anything like that. And it was kind of you know it, it was one of those things that was dis, missing from DVD for a good long while. It eventually saw a release. I, has it even been released? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's been released on DVD and then released again a, a few years ago on Blu-ray, and it's um, it's it's really it's it's something remarkable because like I have a lot of nostalgia for this. This is this is was clearly a very big part of my childhood. Uh, every year at Christmas, watching you know, the VHS that we had of it or whatever, but just looking at it as an adult, like there's I, I music. Music makes things for me. Music like is very make or break when it comes to to games, movies, TV. Uh, a soundtrack can really make or break something for me. And and the songs in this this telling of uh, a Christmas Carol are just some of the best that I've ever heard. I mean, I dig a Christmas Carol. I do. I haven't seen as many as 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 a lot of people I know have. But I mean, two of the the ones that I gravitate to are Muppet Christmas Carol and this. And Muppet Christmas Carol does does a similar thing where it um it has some really really good music in it that to help tell this story. Uh, none of the music in there touches me quite as well as as Mr. Magoo does though. Like there's something about the you know just the the age of it, so the recording quality sounds the way that it does. It's their songs just 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 kill me, and uh, it's a it, it is a really really interesting and I, and I think as far as christmas carol stuff goes it's relatively uh child friendly i mean you don't have uh, let's see i mean a, a lot of the christmas carol stuff it's it is it is a relatively scary tale i mean it's it's it's, it's, it's a, ghost ghost. Story. It's a ghost story story yeah. and um this one i think just does a great job of being what it is and and tells the story well and I mean, I can't recommend it enough. It's it's something. It's relatively short. It's a, it, it is definitely an abbreviated version of a Christmas Carol. I think they actually only go through. They don't go through all three of the ghosts. No, yeah, yeah they, they do. do. Yeah. yeah, they do. They go through all three of the ghosts. They're very they're short. Some, yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're very short. And the Muppet Christmas Carol Ghost of Christmas Past is the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. But I just, uh, they did a, they did a pretty. <laughs> I mean, for for the animation being what it is, they did. Like it, I guess it's his interaction with the ghost of Chris. Is it past? No, it's future. The one that I'm thinking of, where it's future this, is death. Future is death. That interaction. Present is Santa, and past is creepy kid whose head's on fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, the fire on his head tells time. Yeah, that the the interaction between Magoo and death in its in what it is, like it's a very one sided conversation. But you, it's it's moving because that's where he finally makes the turn where he finally becomes a decent human being um i'm doing a little back research and magoo was only on to uh, 61 so this came out the following year after magoo had not been around which i find interesting like they, they resurfaced magoo to tell this christmas story which lends a little more credibility to the premise of it's great to be back, back, <laughs> back on Broadway. I'm so trying not to get that on recording. <laughs> uh, I, I I have to agree with Chris and what he says about the music, though. It's like, it's not just the emotion in the songs. They're also really just masterfully done. There's the, there's the song where... Um, 
Scrooge is at work counting up the money and his workers are in the other room and they're they want coal more coal for the fire. Mm-hmm. And so Scrooge is singing one one musical line about the money and then the other I, I guess it's Bob Cratchit is singing about how it's cold. And the two melodies like intertwine really beautifully and like they're not talking about the same thing at all, but somehow it just like comes together and it's really beautiful. Yeah, the the music in this in the show, this movie, is beautifully done. And the uh the Grave Robbers, that's my favorite yes, song. That oh, you have to talk about <laughs> that song. That's okay, when we were kids, that was the thing that we all looked forward to. Like oh. I loved the whole movie, my mom loved the whole movie, my dad and sister were just like, Ah, not this again. Except the part when the the criminals sing. Or the creepiest characters ever put on celluloid. (laughs) Uh, There's these three characters that, uh, during Ghost of Christmas Future, shows the death of Ebenezer. Apparently, these three people rob him or his stuff and bring it to what, in essence, is a a pawn dealer. (laughs) Like, he's buying dead people's shit and giving them money for it. And they go on this song and dance number about being horrible people <laughs> they'll steal your pen and pensable <laughs> no no we're reprehensible yes we'll steal and your pen, pen and, pensable. and pensable like because that's the rhyme and uh, fucking sweet genius. rhyme genius god this song is so good and then like the the, the chorus is just them singing la 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 and <laughs> Everything blacks out except their mouths. <laughs> it's so bizarre, but it is so that, so that one good. poor character that has the hat pulled around her head the entire time, and he's just bashing her in the head with a fucking gavel. And like, if you're a kid, how much fun is it to get to say we're just blankety blank blank, no, no good. good. <laughs> yes, that 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 is one thing that this this movie did extremely well is the musical numbers it's i mean i'm not knocking it it's a it's a good thing we all should watch it especially during the holiday season because it's one of the better tellings of a christmas carol so you got anything else you want to add to this this historical trip for you chris i mean i guess nothing nothing that i haven't said already is this holds an extremely personal place in my heart i think it's a I, I like hearing that more people have seen this because I know for the longest time growing up, and anytime I would mention it to other people, they would have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, it's it is a classic. It really is. It, it it's an important piece of history for being the first animated Christmas special. But more than anything, it's it is what it was the first instance I had ever had of uh, of seeing a Christmas story, uh, not a Christmas story, a uh, Christmas Carol. Uh, it was the, my introduction to to characters Ebenezer Scrooge and whatnot. It's it, it it is absolutely magical. It is a product of its time. It's clearly not for everybody, but there's pieces of it in there for everybody. There's something you know, I feel like in it's it there for everyone. Yeah, I I feel like this is a hard thing to watch and not get at least partially emotionally invested in it just because of the music. It's it's great. It's a it's it's classic animation. It's 
just just watch it just if you've had if you've got the time in the during over the holidays i know we're right up on christmas but if you've never tracked this down or you've you've looked at it and said oh mr magoo's christmas carol <laughs> that's got to be something special <laughs> it actually is it, it this is this is more than the sum of its parts it's better than I mean, I was never really a big Mr. Magoo fan. Like, I, I didn't really... I, I've, I've gone back and attempted to watch some Mr. Magoo cartoons, and they're cute, they're funny. There's a lot of those visual gags that she got in the beginning and end of, of Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, but there was, there's just some magic here. There was something magic about this production, and uh, I'm glad it exists and is findable for people. So definitely watch it. There you go. Check it out. Um, okay. We're going to wrap this up. Chris, you know what you need uh-huh. to do. I, I actually do, and you know what I'm not is prepared. Oh, you son <sighs> of a... You can get in touch with us at mail yeah, you... at com. You can also find as... us on all flavors of social media that we inhabit. And you it can is right... find us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. We, you can... Something something about Twitter. Um <laughs> At the geek, the underscore geekade. You can find us individually at. I am at shoot underscore the underscore moon. We're doing this out of order, so I'm getting thrown off. Evan is available at geekade underscore Evan, and Chris is available at geekade Chris. That's geekade K R I S. And if you have the time or you find it in your heart, hit over head over to, to iTunes. Give us a five-star review because that works us up the charts and it gets more eyes and ears on our podcast um head on over to geekade.com as well and check out everything that we have available out there podcast uh, blogs write-ups everything articles we post something new every stinking day <laughs> back to you chris <laughs> once again you can get in touch with us <laughs> now that i actually have it in front of me how did we do? How'd you do? Well, let's see. All right. Once again, you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram at Geekade, subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest and greatest video content, as well as follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade. You can find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris, blah, 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 blah. We already said all those uh if you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight be sure to check out our show notes there you go we miss show while notes. you're at it you can also subscribe to this and any other of our wonderful podcasts on itunes or if you're super nice you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated again always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com where we post something new every stinking day now back to you evan yeah so yeah we, we did pretty good youtube yeah, and we twitch good. pretty good we missed yeah and and the uh yeah we'll get this down pat <laughs> Okay, so I mean, these there's we just picked four particular Christmas specials that show up on television every once in a while. Um, in preparation to do this show, I did I did a quick Google search of Christmas specials. The there are hundreds of them. The point is, there's a Christmas movie out there for everyone, a Christmas television program, a Christmas special, however you want to see it. Go check them all out um, and enjoy the holidays. I mean, really, that's what it's about. Spending time with loved ones, spending time with those that you really don't love, but they're family, so you really have to because it's that time of the year. Yeah, I'm getting dark. Uh, I guess that I, I, I'm just about done. So, guys, this is a personal from me to you. I want to wish you both a very Merry Christmas. 
Aw, Merry Christmas to you, Evan. I mean, it is. It, I, I know it doesn't feel like it, seeing as it's probably 65 or 70 degrees outside, but it is like the 23rd. <laughs> yeah, it's unseasonably warm, but uh, a very heartfelt Merry Christmas to you and, and, and everybody who listens to this show. Um, we're coming up on the end of Geekade's first year of being a website, and the amount of stuff, the amount of content that exists on this website is a remarkable source of pride for me. Uh, in case you don't know, I'm editor-in-chief of this website. Uh, and co-founder. Don't don't leave that part and, off. And, and co-founder. And um, the, the, what we've accomplished as a, as a website in our, it, less than our first year, we launched in February, uh, is, is a considerable source of pride for me. And I, I'm very proud of everything that we've been a part of, uh, the, everything that I've been a part of on this website. And this podcast is definitely one of those. It's something I look forward to doing every single week. And uh, and the fact that anybody listens to this show uh, makes me smile. And if we've if if I have helped turn anybody that I have never met in my life to watch something that they've never watched before that they then enjoy, uh, then everything I've done is worth it. I mean, it's. This is everything on Geekade is a passion project. Everything on this website is something done out of love for the material. And this podcast is no exception. So to everybody listening to this podcast, from the, the bottom of my heart, I mean this as sincerely as possible. Have a wonderful, happy holiday season. Um, no matter what you celebrate, just thank you so much for listening to us do this ridiculous thing that we do. I, I can't say it any better. I'm just going to add on thank you. Chris, thank you specifically. Um, I remember back when we were first starting to talk about this a little over a year ago, you were hesitant. And we said, okay. And then the dean and I sat back and went, oh, he'll come <laughs> around. He's going to suck it. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna come around. And you have been a major, major part of this entire endeavor that, that we just whimsically thought about taking off. And I can't say thank you enough for making the, the, the idea that we had so long ago come, so long ago, a year ago, come to, to fruition. So thank you. To everyone else You're out very there, welcome. thank you. Please check out everybody else that's on our site. So many good things to, to be mentally ingested. And, and that's it. That's our show. Karen, Chris, happy holidays. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Give my love to the little one. Will do. With that, from everyone here at this week's episode, I'm Evan Goldstein. I'm Chris Randazzo. I'm Karen Randazzo. Happy holidays. Great to be back, 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 back on Broadway. <laughs> now, <laughs> where is that theater? We're reprehensible. We'll steal your pen and pencil. Pens. Oh, you're, you're a child again, sir. Ha! A toast! A, a toast. toast! Well, Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you. God bless us, everyone. And this concludes our broadcast day.